I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're out of birth control and we're out of both things. We can't blame Trump for this. Yes, we can. This is Red All Over, your graceful alias Grace recap. Let me in. You're so scared. Yep. You're so scared. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Molly uh, is scared of stuff. And this is a scary episode. Oh, this is a scary episode. This episode gets real scary. And we were just talking. I said this is my favorite episode. Except yeah. maybe for the second one. I think this is mine as well. Scariness nonwithstanding. Yeah. It's a great episode. We're talking about episode four. Episode of four. Grace. And we'll just get into it. Okay. There's lots of good stuff to chat about here. So many chat stuff. We kick it off with a Nathaniel Hawthorne quote. Uh huh. Nathaniel Hawthorne, of course, being the author of The Scarlet Letter and The Red. No, The Red Badge of Courage was somebody else, right? Sure. I don't know. Look, <laughs> that both of those books suck. So. <laughs> <laughs> I never read it. Um, but I have seen Easy A, which I assume is basically the <laughs> it, same story. It so. is indeed. You know what? Super underrated movie. Uh, I remember enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a Josie and the Pussycats, but... It, yeah. It was, you know, a lesser Emma Stone vehicle. I don't know. What's the best Emma Stone what vehicle? What is the best Emma Stone vehicle? Well, we'll leave that to yeah, our no, other podcast. Like, do I like any other movies that she's in? We'll leave anyway, that to our we'll other podcast called Stone's Throw. <laughs> Where we talk about all Emma Stone movies, even Aloha. I was going to say, except Aloha. So we'll need to work this out behind the scenes. The Aloha episode of Stone's Throw is us just going, no. Why? Why, why, why? Join us next week. (laughs) (laughs) So Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote this poem that begins the episode that said, Blessed are all simple emotions, be they dark and bright. It is the lurid intermixture of the two that produces the illuminating blaze of the infernal regions. I don't feel mm. like that's a poem. Yeah, it looks to be a quote. It feels like an <laughs> excerpt from something. Yeah, I didn't do a ton of research. Well, we'll let the internet tell us or we'll find out later. Yeah, or we'll just die not knowing. Yeah, I don't care. I'm I don't look, not upset I by it. I don't like Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> I think he also wrote The House of the Seven Gables. See, that's what I was going to say. Which I read, but like, I legit do not, like, even when I read that book, I think maybe there's somebody named Pynchon in it, <sighs> but I was like, what is this book about? I think there would be an interesting thing that we could do is when this show is over, kind of go back and see if there's a through line that all these poets have in common. And I feel like a lot of them are contemporaneous. I'm sure that's true. I think they're like, they're ripped from the headlines <laughs> of 1859. And I actually don't remember if a similar device is employed in the book. Do you? I don't think so. Okay. So that's very uh, I interesting know the, choice. The book is inspired by, isn't there a poem about Alias Grey? No, there's an, a poem about Half-Hanged Mary, who was yeah. an ancestor of Margaret Atwood. Right. That's a different thing. Oh, that's so interesting. Do you know what's weird is if you Google Margaret Atwood, it's little like info thing that comes up on your phone says Canadian poet. Huh. Like, I know she writes poetry. I just can't believe that she's chill with just being like, yeah, I'm a poet. Get it? I mean, you know my feelings on poems. <laughs> <laughs> we did go into this a little bit. My feelings you- on poems, I'm a ginnum. <laughs> she is a ginnum. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this. 
We kick off this episode with a woman getting the crap beaten out of her. She flashes of the handmaid's tale. Yeah, so she's up in front of everybody in the prison dining hall and then the guards come and get grace and the one with the creepy mustache is like that's what you get for stealing bread with your breakfast don't do that grace and i'm like oh what a nice guy (laughs) like that's that's the level of human kindness (laughs) like that's how low the bar is i think it's also subtly hearkening back to something that grace says in episode two or three or pardon me, one or two, where she says something to the effect of like, she doesn't quite dream of the future. She only, the only thing she can hope for is that she has a better breakfast tomorrow than she does today. And so this instance is showing like, even if you get a slightly better breakfast, it's not without its consequences. (laughs) So that's a bar. Ah, prison. How Incidentally, I had a great breakfast today. Oh yeah, what did you have? I had corned beef hash (gasps) with some brussies and some eggs. It was awesome. Oh my gosh, did you make that? No, I took myself out to breakfast. Oh, good for you. (laughs) I made eggs and I put some Cincinnati chili on top of them. And I had a kiwi fruit. You and are some fancy. toast. Wow. Yeah, it's not really that fancy. I just had this chili and I'm going out of town tomorrow, so I needed to use it. Nice. It was tasty AF. Well, you know what's not tasty is this <sighs> just fantasy that Dr. Jordan has of like weird behind the back hugging Grace. And Grace is smiling here, but like not at him. It yeah. doesn't feel like she's thinking about the present. Right. And the way that he's behind her too, which comes up later is kind of like you know she is he's big spoon and she's there for his benefit yeah yeah Mm. he's a he's a selfish spoon yeah and also real bummer in this episode so the description says dr jordan becomes intimate with mrs humphrey we're like hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah get it get it get it and then it doesn't happen bummer is that it like is it a what like, <laughs> is that going to happen or do they, is that on the cutting room floor? I hope it does. I hope it does too. But the fact that the official episode <laughs> description was wrong makes me feel better about the fact that I revealed a detail in the previous episode <laughs> that is actually from this episode. Yeah. We, we all make mistakes. We're I know. humans. We're tired. I'm not going to make more specific references to it in case I edit it out of the previous episode. <laughs> But I feel like I can't. I feel like we kept talking about it. It's very hard to edit around us, as I know. you well know. No, I was totally counting on you to be like, no, that didn't happen. I be- I just trust you. It's been like a couple of days since I watched that episode. Molly, be more like me and trust no one. <laughs> I never even watched the X-Files because they said trust no one. And I was like, I already did it. I don't need to watch this show. <laughs> done, done, done. <laughs> Great. Okay, anyway. So- creepy fantasy. But he was asleep. Excuse me? Simon was asleep. She walks in and he was asleep. Oh, he's kind of dozed. And he's trying to be like, oh, no, I was just resting my eyes. Yeah. Because he quickly changes to an uncomfortable subject. Oh, man. Real rough transition. He begins reading to her from McDermott's, you know, gallows letter. Well, it's his confession. I think right. it was for the trial. Okay. But ah, it's so great, though, because it's- we get... Oof. We get something we ain't seen mm. at all, which it. is scary grace, which is <laughs> murderous grace. I because he's saying, oh, that McDermott said that she, you know, would incite him against them. And, you know, she's got freaking scary 
eyes and mm-hmm. she's saying things like why should she be sitting with Mr. Mm-hmm. Kinnear and getting the best she's no better educated or well born than we are mm-hmm. it said that Grace tried to get McDermott to help her poison mm-hmm. the porridge mm-hmm. that they were going to feed to Kinnear and Nancy and Grace is like well that's silly and he's like how does that make you feel she's like well I don't like to laugh at the dead <laughs> the dead don't like being laughed at so she thinks it's ridiculous yeah that he or said this she's saying that she thinks it's ridiculous yeah at this point our uh the reliability of any narrator is very very muddy yeah because we're really uh, we're on our own here yeah we really have to start using those critical thinking skills Oof. and trying to figure out what <laughs> what we think yeah it's and very interesting it's yeah because you're like okay well but i love scary grace oh i really grace love too. scary grace it's so good and we only get like these two flashes of it mm. and Delicious. she then goes on to tell dr jordan that it's ridiculous that she would have asked mcdermott for help in poisoning them because all it would take was just you know she says it takes <laughs> no more strength than putting an extra spoonful of sugar in and she could have poisoned McDermott into the bargain. Totally. Dr. Jordan goes, you're very cool about this, Grace. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, quit being a pussy. Yeah. Like, like we all have a thought about how to poison somebody. Come on. In a fun platonic poisoning. Yeah, a platonic poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is something to be said there about the kind of intimate labor that women engage in that men kind of don't. You know, she's preparing everybody's food and she's in everybody's bedrooms and, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of in the way... She's handling the food on the way in and the way out. (laughs) She really is. Disgusting. So she takes care of very physical parts of everybody's lives and thus it brings her closer to potential violence because there is that opportunity that mm-hmm. other people don't have or that McDermott would have to go out of his way to manufacture. Well, and it's, you know, it's why this inquiry is happening in the first place though, yeah. because the implicit social contract is that we all trust women. Yeah. We trust women not to harm us yeah. for some reason. <laughs> I mean, also we generally don't, Yeah, that's you know, true statistically yeah should this change let's see what happens to grace (laughs) um (laughs) yes let's see what kind of happy ending is in store for grace as is every margaret atwood yeah every margaret atwood it always ends up super good for women right really great grace is brushing nancy's hair so this having a great sleepover yeah and nancy is showing grace like some hair pomade or something like that i like it And then Grace brushes Nancy's hair and she says that Grace has a luxurious touch. (laughs) And then she's like, girl, go get go get me McDermott and kill a chicken. We're having a chicken for dinner tonight. I even want to stick on this sort of exchange for a little longer because it's another very intimate Mm -hmm. labor is to you literally have your back to someone and you're letting them pet your hair and brush your Mm -hmm. hair. My only criticism of that is that she didn't let her brush her hair long enough. For either, like, practical detangling (laughs) or enjoyment purposes. Do you like when people play with your hair? I love it. You do? And there is no not creepy way (laughs) to get somebody to do that as an adult. And you know men can't do that shit. They don't know how. You're like, oh, play with my hair. And they're like, duh. I'm like, no, not my pubes, idiot. (laughs) 
Uh, well, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about because I actually don't like that to be done to me. Oh, so really? really? You don't have... like people playing with your hair at all? Some people really don't. Like, it really is is unpleasant for people to have near their scalp. It's not unpleasant. It's just like I wouldn't order it off the menu. It's not something I want. I do want someone to braid my hair. That's all I want because okay. I don't know. I can't do it. All right, cool. Just putting that out in the all universe. Right. Well, I'll remember that for your holiday gift. Yes. <laughs> Send a lady to I got my house. You to a fancy French... hair braiding lady. Like legit, there is a place on the way to your your house, and it has pictures of braids in the wind. And I'm like, oh, I know they're not talking about me, but I would love to get some yeah, braids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you were saying she tells her to go kill the chicken. Yes, and, and I then she you. all of a sudden gets real nasty again Oof. because Grace is like, okay, don't we need two chickens? Because Nancy's like, oh, this captain and this other guy are coming over for dinner. And she's like, oh, won't we need six, or, I'm sorry, two chickens for six people at dinner? She's thinking, you know, Nancy's going to be in there and the men are going to bring their wives. Nancy loses her shit. And mm-hmm. she's like, those women would never darken the door and I will not be dining with them. And again, we see again, Nancy... Holding Grace accountable mm-hmm. for emotional knowledge that Grace doesn't have. Yeah. So Grace is like, okay, just one chicken. That's all you had to say. Calm down. Or you could have just been real nice and be like, oh, no, I'm not going to eat with them and their wives aren't coming. Like, yeah. you know, quit telegraphing how scandalous your situation is, Nancy. Yeah. Well, she doesn't have anybody else she can convey that kind of anger to. Yeah. I mean, unless you count McDermott. So she just does it. <laughs> To whichever subordinate is closest. Yeah. She's a bad boss. Yeah, she's definitely not a good boss. If they did undercover boss in this house. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Although I guess actually Nancy kind of is both undercover boss <laughs> and employee. Like She's really living on both the sides. The lines are skewed. Yeah. She goes to find McDermott to kill the chicken, but he is nowhere in sight because it's Taco Tuesday or something and he's out. Um, he's got his fantasy league. <laughs> At this time, she is upset and well, she doesn't want to kill the chicken. But Jamie Walsh has found her going Mm. into McDermott's loft. And he's like, why are you going in McDermott's loft? And I'm like, also, yes. Why are you going there? Like that struck you as weird. I just uh, I don't know. He's looking for someone where he lives in a barn and he's a creepy dude. Listen, man, you are underestimating how little she wanted to kill that. chicken. So she doesn't want to kill that chicken. Jamie kills it for her Mm. and Grace I love how transactional Grace is because this is also how I feel constantly because she's like oh I I don't have anything to give you for it but I'll remember it in the future yeah and you know it's just like keeping account like you know I much like Katniss Everdeen (laughs) I do not like owing anybody anything me neither uh or trusting anybody uh, or being in the Hunger Games. Oh, God. Who likes that? <laughs> uh, the career tribute. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. uh, District 1, 2, and 4. <laughs> well, um, do you see the foreshadowing in this exchange? In Potentially. terms of her being squeamish about it? Mm-mm. Or in terms of her, this narrative of her... Uh, asking someone to kill for her so potentially if we're to believe mcdermott she asked him to kill nancy and Mm -hmm. mrs kinnear so this is sort of a very light way it's the microcosm of what ends up potentially happening but i also like grace's apparent again we get to this point where it's like okay 
as performed Mm -hmm. in the flashback, which is the account that she's giving to Dr. Jordan in 1859, Grace looks truly squicked out by this idea. And she truly can't bear the thought of harming another living being. Is this just a thing Mm. that she's saying to him to make him think that her character is different than it was? For all we know, she went and killed that chicken and three more besides just for funsies. With her teeth. With her teeth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was that a catching rabbits with her teeth? Uh, (laughs) From Ever After? It is now. It is now. Fantastic. And I like how they're sitting outside plucking the chickens and then Nancy comes out and yells at them. And then the two actors kind of look at each other and I can tell in the script it says something like, resume plucking but with vigor they, <laughs> they just well, do it slightly faster and like nancy like nancy is being such a bee because so. well before grace went out like she was like mr Kinnear likes having his meals on time and like bitch i never see you do anything anything all she ever does is sit around drinking tea mm. tea is delicious mm-hmm. i understand mm-hmm. but She's just always like sitting around. Although that's not true. She is doing something with some herbs in the next scene. She's just, I think she's just like plucking them. But so Grace comes in now. She's happy again. And she's like, oh, Jamie's sweet on you. He used to love me, but I guess now he likes you. And Grace is like, I have so much other problems, dude. (laughs) Like I can't even be worried about this. And she's like, he's a boy. He's he's no great catch for me. Yep. Well, and he's not. I mean, he has no situation. She's like, boys have cooties. <laughs> I don't want any cooties. I don't want to touch his pee-pee. I don't want to touch his pee-pee, A. B, I did the circle, circle, dot, dot, now I got the cootie shot. So, But I'm still worried because inoculations against cooties are well behind what they are in modern times. As you understand, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes grace i yes i know i am cooties. afflicted with cooties myself <laughs> oh man if anybody In a scene that was cut from this episode i got them from mrs humphrey <laughs> if anybody in this show has cooties it's that guy he is a cootie machine a cootie machine <laughs> Ugh, gross <laughs> oh so then we, okay this is this ah it's just there's these really just sharply observed character moments. And for this scene, I'm going to give Anna Paquin a pass. Because Sookie does some good work in this sequence where Mr. Kinnear's friends are over. And mm-hmm. Grace is <laughs> getting all of, you know, the the stuff together to bring in. And, like, Anna Paquin just, like, holds out her wine glass. And yeah. she is just, like... She's clearly so annoyed that these guys have, like, horned in on her Mr. Kinnear time. It's like when Bay brings his friends over. Yeah. <laughs> and she does a very good, like, Cersei Lannister, like, wine it's swoop. phenomenal. So Grace goes in, and these guys are having a great time telling a story Gross. about how they burned a woman's farm. Ugh. And for all Grace knows, they're literally talking about Mary Whitney's family. Yeah. And, you know, she's just going about doing her duties. And then the men start saying, oh, you know, who's this pretty thing? You know, can we get her? And then they're like asking about Nancy Mm -hmm. and saying that she'll scratch out Grace's eyes if, you know, Mr. Kinnear has a liking to her. And then there is 
another comment offhand from one of the guys. He's like, oh, where is Nancy? Is she stashed in a closet somewhere with the rest of her Turkish harem? Mr. Kinnear doesn't say anything, but he's clearly enjoying this implication about his fraternization with Mm -hmm. his servants. Like, it seems to me like he really revels in flaunting convention Mm -hmm. and being, you know, the Hugh Hefner of rural Canada. No, he's the fun substitute teacher. I get it. Yeah, and these guys... Mr. Bluegrind. These guys are... (laughs) I still am really upset by that. Mr. Bluegrind had a guitar. He's saying uh, wheels on the bus, but we're Spice Girls into it. He was amazing. I know who it was. It was our substitute music teacher. There you go. Mr. Goodfriend. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm sorry. Back. Sorry. Sorry. Back the fuck up. <laughs> totally. You sad. had the nerve to sit next to me and be like, oh, Mr. Bluegrind, that's a gross name. Whereas, oh, oh, your weird substitute teacher was Mr. Goodfriend. They might as well call him Mr. Kidley Fiddler. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He was studying to be a priest. Yeah, he before, was. Before that. He was doing some practical study. <laughs> gross. Uh, he was super cool. Yeah. He taught us songs about not destroying the earth that my parents thought were bad. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm just going to let this one sit, but mm, (laughs) you take back everything you said about Mr. Bluegrind. He was cool. He had an earring. Anyway. Mm, Okay. Where were we? We're moving on. Okay, so, so, yeah, he's very liberal. He has a guitar. Uh, (laughs) So Grace goes back in, and she and Nancy are kind of, like, talking about what they did in, in the rebellion. And she's saying, you know, most of those guys don't actually have military titles. Mm-hmm. They just made them up Ew. after the rebellion. And Grace asks some questions about what Mr. Kinnear did during the rebellion. And Nancy's like, I don't ask, you know, it's not my business, but whatever he did, it was on the side of the government. And, you know, Grace is just like, Oh, my best friend's family lost her farm. And Nancy's like, okay. <laughs> like, did you not hear the part where he said, don't ask? Like, yeah. I don't engage in this. More rosé, please. Yeah. Well, it's clearly a Merlot. It's a very dark rosé. It's a... F- <laughs> there, are only, there are only two kinds of wine. Rosé and, and like darker rosé. Well, then there has to be three kinds of wine. No, white wine is very, very light rosé. That's what I'm saying. There's light rosé, okay. rosé, and dark rosé. Okay, then yes, you're right. I erred there. Rosé, you stay. <laughs> the next scene is the church. Oh, I'm sorry. There's an important thing that happens. So throughout that exchange, Nancy is buttering oh, the fuck out of a piece <laughs> of bread. And I am like, yes, because we just had bread and butter yesterday. <laughs> bread and butter is tasty. So she again, the script was like <laughs> butters vigorously butters bread with purpose. <laughs> Go ahead. Gets in all crannies. <laughs> so Grace has left the room. So here is a, we're seeing Nancy without Grace. Oh. But she looks at the bread, doesn't eat it, and says, I'm getting too fat. Which I read as she somehow decided that her bae hanging out with his friends means he doesn't want to bone her anymore. I which, mean, I, yeah, I'm used to that feeling. Yeah, but that's not what it means. It's not. It's really not, Mal. Well, color yeah. me surprised. Sorry, I'm sorry, but that's <laughs> not. I mean, it can mean that, but I don't think it does in this okay, instance. That's good. She feels like she's being like cast aside mm. somehow here, and she thinks it's because she's getting fat. So she doesn't eat that piece of bread, which I wish I could like, 
you know, Mike TV, <laughs> Willy Wonka style from inside of my set and into my belly. Man, the time I want to do that in this episode is when she cuts the piece off the turkey and eats it because that looks awesome. That her facial expression was so upsetting to me <laughs> that it made me not want to eat that turkey. No, I always want to eat the turkey. Always eat the turkey, eat the bread live your life we get an interesting little thing here where grace we're cutting back to grace with dr jordan and she's saying something about william lyons mckenzie had a daring escape and now he's you know living somewhere in america and he's free and she says so such a thing is possible Mm -hmm. and he doesn't even quite catch it but it's like oh grace wants to get out of here so -hmm. she's imagining that you know Maybe one day she'll have the stones to <laughs> to escape from her prison. Now can we get to the church scene? Yes. Yes, Woo! we can. Okay, so they go to church, and everybody's head is kind of swiveling around to look at them at church. These and are it- some Canadian-ass extras, by the way. Like, all these people are super <laughs> Canadian. huge mutton chops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Canadian extras. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. who's the extra in this kelly megats oh i'm so excited i lost my mind when i I saw her because she has a line she has a couple lines in it because it's a canadian production like in the u.s they're like look here margaret what you may have written a book or two but we're not giving you any lines at this point megats is working on her sag card getting it because she is talking in this one she is sneering like she does a great job like i feel like that uh kardashians gif where chris is like holding the video camera and she's like you're doing amazing sweetheart <laughs> that's what i feel about maggie Atz in this particular because i was just she, she was so good and i was so proud yeah she was great because so what she says there's also a great monologue here which like i don't want to get into because i don't really feel like talking about theology right now but like grace's whole thing about like so if you can't pray for grace, mm-hmm. like, you know, what's what's the point of praying? Right. If being pious and praying and all this stuff doesn't actually get you God's grace. Yeah. So it's sort of like a a sideways conversation about predestination. Um, and I enjoy yeah. that. Although she says that such things make her drowsy, <laughs> which is why I don't want to get into it right now. <laughs> Well, that's interesting that you brought that up because the reason I almost missed the Maggie Atts cameo is because her talking about this kind of grace, the talk of this kind of grace, the godly grace got me thinking about, you know, the very Atwoodian choosing of Grace's name. True. Well, I mean, it's her real name. Well, right. (laughs) Her name name was Grace. Well, Margaret Atwood went back in time, (laughs) named the baby that would be the murderess that was Grace Marks. Okay. Molly, what if Margaret Atwood is a Time Lord? Oh my god! Like if anybody living is a Time Lord, I would be so. Like now that David Bowie is dead, it's death, Maggiats. Oh my god, BT Dubs. Do you watch Twin Peaks? No. Oh, okay. Not if I can help it. All right, never mind. (laughs) He has a significant part in this new season of Twin Peaks. Oh, David Bowie does. Sort of. That is not enough to make me curious (laughs) enough to watch it. (laughs) Okay what so let me dive into the etymology of grace for a second if i may even though it's not margaret atwood's fault that her name is that okay i get it so we have grace like they're talking about here which means the favor of god if i'm not mistaken right yeah sure okay so the the favor of god so being somebody that god like chose and likes uh then we have grace like a social grace like having good manners 
and we have grace of like a like womanly bearing uh like me all the time <laughs> i don't know why i just turned into crusty the clown well that's because i'm so graceful <laughs> yeah exactly one of my <laughs> one of my earliest memories as a little kid is like walking downstairs biffing it falling on the concrete and hearing my dad go nice going grace oh <laughs> i was okay i mean yeah it's okay but the other family joke was if you fell on something they'd be like you better not break my nice floor <laughs> <laughs> which is a very good kid joke i think <laughs> anyway i always like smooth move x lax <laughs> That's another good one. Classic, classic. But you wouldn't care since you're a non-pooping of individual. Never have I pooped. <laughs> it is known. So all of those three things do seem to converge in grace a little bit. Uh, I guess except being favored by God, potentially. I don't know, man. We'll see, I guess. You know, uh, she's not dead. Yeah. Like, she's more favored than James McDermott. Oh, gosh, that's a great point. Yeah. And she made it overseas, and she is, according to Jeremiah, marked in some way. So maybe? But it's also, she does adhere to, like, social graces and the whole women's problems of where good manners uh, converges with good sense, blah, blah, blah. She's Interesting. a lot like Sansa Stark in that way. She, oh, she made the, so Sansa Stark. The comparison of Nancy to Cersei. But she, <laughs> she thinks, what is it, a woman's courtesy is her armor? Yeah. That's what Catelyn like drilled into Sansa Stark. This is a perfect analogy. She's so Sansa Stark. I love it. That's excellent. I love Sansa Stark. I do now too. And if you had told me season one, I mm-hmm. would end up rooting for Sansa Stark. I would call you a, a liar. Yeah. I also would have called you a liar. Man, she's great. Although I call everybody a liar because <laughs> I trust no one. Known liar. <laughs> so they leave the church. After Maggie Atz goes, outrage. It's oh. an outrage. It's amazing. I want to make that my ringtone. Uh, you probably could. <laughs> As it is, I'm going to take that picture of her in a bonnet and make it my screensaver. This I vow. <laughs> <laughs> they leave and they get back and Nancy decides to fire McDermott for not being around to kill the chicken. Mm-hmm. Which was yesterday? Like, is this the first time? I guess it's probably the morning if they were at church. Maybe. It's real unclear to me because it's like, she's like, you can't just go off whenever you feel like it. And I'm like, shouldn't he have a schedule? Are you guys all just coming and going (laughs) loosey-goosey? Like, you're not a good manager. There's not a time clock. So I I don't blame her. But I mean, you know, Grace would never do that. Yeah, Grace, I I feel like has not taken a day off since she started working. No, I mean, I don't think she can. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking about when she does take time off later is like, what the heck would she do? (laughs) Yeah. Not work. She doesn't have an inner life. She can't read. She doesn't have any friends. No Netflix. (laughs) No Game Boy. Nothing. Nancy tells McDermott that he is to leave at the end of the month and now go handle the horse if it's not too much for his highness. Ooh, I thought that was good acting. I thought it was okay. Um, um, we're not, we're not going to see eye to eye on, on this performance. Totally fine. Then we cut to McDermott ranting to Grace that he, you know, this is great. He wanted to get fired <laughs> because he doesn't like taking orders from a woman anyway. And especially not a woman like her. And Grace is like, Zuh? what you talking about? And so then, it's all in my blog. Just read it. <laughs> I think you mean his live journal. <laughs> It was the 1840s, Molly. Please, it was Life they Journal. They used Life Journal. 
So uh-huh. he's like, uh, hey, let me clue you in on a little bit of the history here. Uh-huh. Nancy got pregnant one time by some dude that ran off. And then he says the baby died because of the midwife's mercy, mm-hmm. which means that either she had an abortion or the midwife straight up killed that baby. Punched it right in the face. Yeah. And so then he said that Kinnear hired her knowing this mm. and that basically like, you know, no respectable person would have hired her. Mm-hmm. So his intention to have sex with her would be clear from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that they sleep in the same room mm-hmm. and Grace doesn't believe him when mm-hmm. he tells her this story. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But Grace is perturbed. And I think this is the first time we're invited to think of Nancy as sort of a Mary character in that Nancy, knowing what we know is like, what if Mary had lived? Mm-hmm. But Grace has invited us to think of her as Mary from the beginning. She thought that she reminded her of Mary. Yeah. Although, I mean, in, the, in her vulnerable state, she might have been inclined to view anybody as Mary. Yeah. But she's certainly in need of a friend. And there is, I think, an alternate universe where Grace and Nancy are friends. Oh, totally. Because of my theory where all conflict in (laughs) fiction can be drawn back to a man. Like Nancy wouldn't be treating Grace in this way if not for McDermott and if not for Kinnear. Yeah, I agree. I'm inclined to agree with you. Were they on equal footing, which is maybe why she was able to make friends in the Alderman Parkinson's house is because there were more women and fewer men. Yeah. That's very interesting. And I like that. And I like to be surrounded by women. I also do. I've always, my happiest work situations have always been on all female teams. So after that, though, Grace says that the respect that she had for Nancy diminishes. And this is, again, where I feel like Grace is a very unreliable narrator because Mm -hmm. Nancy tells her that she missed, she's scrubbing the floor. Mm -hmm. So she's scrubbing the floor and Nancy's like, you missed the spot over by the hutch. And then Grace just like loses it Mm -hmm. in a way we've never seen. Mm -hmm. It's very, very out of character. Yeah. She throws down her rag and she says, why don't you do it? I never see you doing anything in your Mm -hmm. fine dress. And then Nancy hauls off and slaps her, which like, fair-ish but it just seems like it feels like grace going from zero to a hundred yeah like there's no passive aggression there's no build-up she didn't leave a note no she just automatically is like fuck you (laughs) well to be fair this is the time when grace is going through her like teenage punk phase (laughs) much like a young ivanka trump (laughs) but she's like you know they both are right to be testy so knowing what we know about nancy nancy is like very early stages pregnant Mm -hmm. and so cranky and grace is cranky because she feels like now nancy shouldn't be in charge but also is riddled with hormones and weird teenage stuff that she's not allowed to respect and potentially the only person she could mouth off to other than mcdermott is nancy so they're both like powder kegs Mm -hmm. bonking into each other and just really bothering people (laughs) That's how fires start. <laughs> when two powder kegs bonk into each other, something bad happens, right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct, Perfect. Molly. And you, were, uh, you were a science major, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, San Francisco State University. <laughs> Correspondence course. Then Mr. Kinnear helps Grace carry a bucket, which does Nancy see this and she's like annoyed? 
Yeah. Yeah. So she's annoyed that basically now any time that Mr. Kinnear pays any attention to Grace, Nancy is livid. Well, because she's already mad because she heard that talk from his friends about mm-hmm. how she's pretty and she's well, feeling and, gross. She's well, feeling they, icky. She's yeah. And they put, icky. they put Nancy in the light of being like this henpecked woman, which is what she judges so much mm-hmm. in their wives. Mm-hmm. And like, she thinks she's like so bohemian mm-hmm. and like open minded, but like, then they are just like, Oh, she's just like any other woman. Yeah, absolutely. So she's cranky about that, even though they're likely handing off, a some water to clean a toilet with <laughs> let's yeah. be honest knowing what we know cockhouse and again we just see mr kinnear just sailing above all of this sturm and drown mm-hmm. like it's just he <laughs> he don't care as long as his chicken gets plucked on time you know it doesn't make a difference is it at this point that we flash back to simon talking about something he Oh, yeah. Because I wrote in my notes that Simon just wants to know what she's doing as it pertains to him. Kind of because he asked her, I think he asked her like, "Mm, scratch this. Simon is like one of those guys that texts you and is like, what are you doing? And you're like, "Uh, chores. And he's like, oh, without me? Like, (laughs) 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 Just trying to always insert himself. And I don't remember what he says exactly in this exchange, but it's something like him trying to get her on track to thinking about something closer to him. Well, because he, we break back to him because McDermott tells Grace they're eating and they get in kind of an argument. And he's saying that Nancy is going to let him go before the end of the month Mm -hmm. and without all of his wages for the month. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, she needs to look out because Nancy's going to start treating her this way, which is probably accurate. And, um, he says that they need to join forces and demand their rights he says he hates the English and she's like, he's Scottish. And he's like, they're all the same. Uh, but, uh, well, and I guess he doesn't know that she is, uh, from the North, but can anyway, you hear it on her voice? Uh, apparently not. I don't know. <laughs> he's voice blind. That's when Simon talks about how grace, how McDermott said that grace wanted to poison them. That happens at this point, mm. not earlier as okay. I thought. What? It's okay. I'm not perfect, Molly. What? I'm so sorry. I know that I'm an amazing cook and a great you friend. Are. Yes. And I'm a good writer and I am awesome at stand up comedy. And you got a banging bod. I do. Oh, really? Thanks. I sure. Never, I literally never think that. Well, think that. Okay. <laughs> she kind of goes into a monologue about, you know, being lonely. Ah, that's what it is. Oh, okay. He's like, Are you lonely now? <laughs> I could come over. My mom's not home. <laughs> He's so gross. I hate it. I thought you were intimate with Mrs. Humphrey, sir. No, that just said in the episode description. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't really happen. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> you up? Oh. And she's like, yes, I, I'm in an asylum. Okay, cool. I'll be right there. I just, I miss, I miss sexting. I miss sexting and sending kissy face emojis. Oh. Yeah, I know. I don't miss anything else. BB, that's in your future. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hush now. You'll soon sext again. <laughs> I promise thee upon my bosom, you shall live to sext another day. Well, if I had to choose, sir, sexting's what I miss most. <laughs> <laughs> what if she just said something like that? He's like, Grace, what do you miss? She's like, mm, 
fisting. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Alderman Parkinson had a fisting rule at her house. It was very liberal. So then she starts talking about feeling lonely and she would never blame any human creature for feeling lonely and she talks about all the time she's felt lonely which includes getting shoved in a box with a hole in it in prison and being left there so it's like solitary confinement and yet somehow worse worse. because it's just a smaller box well, but you're in a room. It, it's in that room, the the mess hall, right? Where they were beating that woman. So there was Ugh. foreshadowing before. Oh, it's so scary. This is such a <laughs> scary story, and I guess I wasn't scared when I was reading it because I just my imagination is not as good, I guess. As well, this it's because TV show nobody is. was making scary voices. That is true. It was I, just me. I was scared when you were reading it. Uh, well, because I did the audiobook, oh. and we haven't even gotten to the part okay. that really scared me. Okay. But I was like, <gasps> what book, what book have you read that like scared the crap oh, out of like you? Every book I read um, that really scared me. Uh, well, I read it last year and that terrified me to the point where I couldn't even have it like on my bedside. I loved it. I thought it was a really good book. It just scared me. I felt that way about the book House of Leaves by (gasps) Mark Daniels. Oh my god! And it's weird how scary it is. It's really good though. It's so good. I have it. I of course you do. Well, I uh, borrowed it from a friend of mine who lived on a boat, and then I think his boat moved away, and I never gave it back. (laughs) Funny how that happens. I need to hang out with a better class of people. That's probably why I'm not sexting. Oh, but um, you should sext in like the House of Leaves style, where you just send like one word at a time, (laughs) and it's. Slowly narrows. Yeah, no, that that book scared me too. I see a lot. I can look. I can see books from where I'm sitting on your couch that scared me. The book that scared me the most was when I was a kid. It was by Avi. It was called <gasps> Something in the Attic, <sighs> and it was about a kid yep. who was being haunted by a Revolutionary War era ghost. Yep, and then he got sucked into the Revolutionary War era. I didn't sleep in my own room for like five months. My parents probably did not have sex for five months. <laughs> And it took for like they finally had like we didn't have like a school counselor or anything, mm-hmm. so they had to like get the principal to talk to me. Oh like, no! Yeah, it was bad. Again, I say all the time, should have been in therapy from the time I was like six. Did, now, did a principal sit you down and be like, Kelly, I want you to know, there's no way you're going to get sucked into revolutionary times. Well, it was a Catholic school, so we had a conversation <laughs> about how oh. there's no such things as ghosts did because they s- God said that there's not. Did they sing God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman? No, they did not. <laughs> have you but not heard that? I have heard that song. I just haven't thought about it in a long time. I am not a uh, Christian Christian person, but that's... VeggieTales is dope. VeggieTales is amazing. And that song... I have a Larry Boy magnet. I have a Larry Boy keychain. It's not a contest. I all the time sing, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where, oh, where, oh, where, oh, is my, my hairbrush? hairbrush where are we in our discussion oh yeah oh they- and we find out we old gracie was prego when she left the asylum <sighs> that was a bummer to hear which is where she felt very alone and i think it's worth noting there's no flashbacks to no. her in like prison or the asylum except for the one in solitary confinement in this episode right usually we get one way earlier in an episode this is a very it's weird to say it's grounded in the present since there's two presents but you know what i'm saying 
One thing worth noting, I think, is that because this is made by fe- uh, the source material is from a female writer. The teleplay is, I believe, a female writer. The showrunner's female. The, d- the director's female. Uh, sexual assault is treated very respectfully in this. Yeah. Like, we can totally see a universe where, like, there's a Benioff and Weisian approach to this where it's I, like I, I just had a full body cringe when yeah you said that. exactly where y- the need would be like no 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 they're not gonna get the idea unless we show it it's like no we get it like ugh. well no man has ever raped anybody so we gotta make sure that we show what it is but this is a kind of sensitivity that i found watching the show harlots mm-hmm. which is also by and large made by women and it's a great sensitive but not squeamish handling of it what finally sold me on Harlots, I haven't watched it yet, but Liv Tyler is joining for season two. Oh, man, that's awesome. And I always thought that Jessica Brown Finley looked like her. She does. So I'm really excited to see them Ooh, lip off. I hope they kiss. <laughs> I know, right? Anyway, watch Harlots. It's awesome. When Okay, Redheads, I'll promise you this. When she finally watched Harlots, we'll devote at least one episode to it. Ooh, somebody just got very excited. Yeah. It's not me. <laughs> It's great. I'm glad. But I'm saying, I know that a lot of our listeners are big fans. So. I'm glad there's a season two, too. But the thing here is, is that as in the other Atwoodian texts we've read, pregnancy is not a super awesome thing. Uh, your body, bizarrely, mm-hmm. as a woman, is like, get pregnant. And then as soon as it gets pregnant, it's like, I don't want it. <laughs> because it's like an invader in your body. Yeah. And your body reacts as if you have an illness. And in, it's very burdensome to everybody in almost every text. There's parts of The Handmaid's Tale where it's not burdensome a little, <laughs> but mainly it's still I like... Mean, just being in your body yeah. becomes uncomfortable. Yeah, I bet. That's like 37% of why I will not procreate. Because <laughs> I like relaxing. Yeah, who does not? I don't need a head on my bladder. <laughs> so I think Maggie Atz is very interested in this, in how pregnancy is our bodily prerogative, but perhaps not our societal one. Or even if it is, there's only certain parts when it's allowed to be. Yeah. And even if it's this miracle, it's also disgusting and hard. <laughs> and she just she's very interested in this idea. And I have only read Alias Grace and Handmaid's Tale, but I'd be interested to see if she thinks about this in other works that she does. Cause I she- want to write a biography of Margaret Atwood called Disgusting Miracle. I know, right? I do like that. She'd be like, not enough play on words. <laughs> or crackies. Nice try. <laughs> Get it? The other time that Grace felt alone was on her birthday ah! when she was at the Kinnear's house. Yeah. And on her birthday, Nancy has decided that she's fine. I mean, emotionally. <laughs> and she tells Grace that she can have the afternoon free. And Grace is like, what would I do with myself? They're not going to invent chilies for another million years. <laughs> Oh, right. It is her birthday week. Now I know why you're so excited. I did like guffaw in the middle of that and kept that to myself. I thought it was for something totally different. No, redheads, you've been waiting for it. This is how Shannon relates to alias Grace. Okay. Okay, Grace. So. Okay. Like on your birthday week, you're like not doing this well. Oh, but I got to go to work. No. (laughs) Nobody works. Nobody even does, except for the staff at Chili's. <laughs> They're the only people who work on your birthday week. Take off your bonnet. Get it off. 
Put on your fuck bonnet. (laughs) Put on your birthday bonnet and let's go. (laughs) Oh, Shannon, you're so good to me. (laughs) I knew she'd come back and I didn't want to force her, but I'm glad she came back organically. Shannon was a particular friend of mine. (laughs) (laughs) If Shannon like accidentally got pregnant, like on her birthday, she'd be like, "Mm, no, I don't think so. It's like, Oh, but you are, and it's like going to ruin your life. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm getting wine. I am having rosé. I'm okay. having dark rosé. I'm having a dark rosé, <laughs> and then a light rosé. <laughs> it's my day. And then I'm having a rosé Rita. Yeah, that's right. A margarita with rosé. Legit. That is a thing, and it's disgusting. I believe you, and I believe you. So she has her birthday, and, and I think that's a feeling that we can relate to, is like, there is some feeling of like loneliness even on a day when you're supposed to be happy. Right. Well, and she's like, I don't have any friends. Right. And, you know. What would she do? Yeah. So Nancy gives her her hat and she's like, go for a walk in the countryside. So she goes out and cries. This is super how I would love to spend my birthday. Just (laughs) alone and crying. And Jamie Walsh, though, comes out Mm -hmm. and he brings her a bouquet of daisies and he Mm -hmm. says, happy birthday, Grace. Aren't daisies your favorite flower, Gerber daisies? No. Am I, I would, making that up? I'm a peony lady. Who the hell is my friend that likes Gerber daisies? Look, I'm not going to push a Gerber daisy out of bed. I just, <laughs> I like a peony or a sunflower. All right, I'm going to keep all that in mind. Okay. So he comes out and he's like, so you got a sweetheart? Mm-hmm. And Grace is like, no. And he wants to be her sweetheart. And she's like, you're a child. And he's like, I'm like a month younger than you. But she says that women age more quickly than men, which is totally true. True. But he's so crestfallen that she says, thank you for your offer. I'll consider it. She's such a nice person. So nice. Uh, Except for the part where maybe she killed some people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, except for that. And she, I mean, anybody could have a bad day. Yeah, totally. She has to give Jamie the whole like, I am 16 going on 17 kind of like rebuff yeah there and it works and it's kind of nice so he makes her a daisy crown mm-hmm. and Shannon's like get it <laughs> oh my god yes it's your birthday it's your birthday and oh and he says that she is the May queen but she says she'll have to be the July queen because <laughs> her birthday's in July I like somebody I know hey. who's a cancer. Oh, wow. Her name's Molly. You texted me at midnight the other day in all caps. I think Grace is a cancer. Listen. And I was like, this is the most Scorpio thing you could have done. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. So what happened was I drank a cola at eight. Well, look, my friend came over for dinner and she very graciously brought some like non-alcoholic beverages Mm -hmm. and one was a ginger beer, which I don't like because it's too spicy. (laughs) (laughs) Spot the white person in the room. I know plenty of white people who love a ginger beer. Okay. And I like spicy things, just that particular way that ginger is. Anyway, so I drank the cherry cola and I watched one episode of Alias Grace and then I was like, I'm not tired. I wonder why and i literally did not until the next day figure out it was because i had had this cola <laughs> no you think when you stop drinking all your problems are at an end but it's not true well you know who thought their problems were at an end ah! grace marks uh but she's coming back to the house after having a very chaste kiss on the cheek from jamie who's like only a little cute and 
And he's so Canadian. As she's coming back to the house, Mr. Kinnear has like a huge like Captain Ishmael like spyglass. <laughs> like the spyglass is so long it basically followed her into the forest. <laughs> He's I, enjoy, like a, I enjoy this episode of Inspector Gadget very much. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, were you kissing someone? And she goes, no, it's my birthday. And he goes, well, you didn't say it was your birthday. He un- he refoils the, the, the telescope. <laughs> he puts it down. And proceeds to begin the process of going to Chili's, basically. <laughs> well, he takes a drink and then she's like, okay, I guess we're done. Cool. With this awkward interaction that we're having. Yeah. So she goes back in and Nancy's looking poorly again. Mm-hmm. Now we're disagreeing here. I think her makeup is atrocious. I think it's atrocious too, but on purpose. I think it's like atrociously done. Oh, okay. I didn't find it convincing. Like, I mean, I got the point. I understood like, oh, she is sick. She is pregnant. Mm-hmm. This is pregnancy face. But she looked like she was about to be in a haunted house to <laughs> me. Like one that your church put on. Well, she was. Uh, you don't have to be a chamber to be haunted Ah. or whatever that line was yeah anyway uh and then my favorite part of this episode (laughs) jeremiah comes uh you forgot the part where she eats the turkey I legitimately oh. thought that was your favorite part of okay, the episode. Okay, that's my second Because favorite. Grace comes in and, like, she's got a flower in her hair still. And Nancy's like, what is that wilted flower doing in your hair? It looks stupid. Meanwhile, Shannon's like, you can wear whatever you want in your hair. It's your birthday week. It's your birthday week. <laughs> Nancy, you're uninvited if to that's... the strip club. <laughs> she goes to the strip club on her birthday. Who, Shannon? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Shannon is totally the girl that goes into a strip club and is so obnoxious about it. <laughs> or she goes into a male strip club. She's just obnoxious wherever she goes. Anyway. So Nancy, Nancy is being mean again. And then Grace is like carving up this turkey. Yes. And then Nancy just like super aggro. Yeah. Grabs it. a piece of the turkey. Yes. And shoves it in her face. Yes, goals. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love a good passive aggressive meat eating. And then McDermott comes in and he's like, oh, Jamie Walsh is going to fuck you, huh? And Grace is like, shut up. Everyone's gross. Everyone is gross. And that's why she feels lonely because she feels like everybody was spying on her. Ugh. And like Nancy gave her this day off. Mm-hmm. But everybody was still up in her business. It's just like when your like family sees you talking to a boy at all, and they're like, "Whoa, hey, mm-hmm. oh, I hate it." See, I was always like, "I wish." <laughs> oh my god, I wish. Like one time, I gave a waiter at a restaurant my number in front of my whole family. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> yeah, you're I was, ballsy. I was desperate. <laughs> I am desperate. <laughs> so now is my actual favorite okay. part. When Jeremiah comes and he comes in serving this sexy like Bert from Mary Poppins look. I'm very into it. So it's, cute. It's oof. Uh, I believe my note is put Zachary Levi in all the things. Oof. Put him in my Levi's. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh shit girl. You got Levi's? <laughs> no. <laughs> JK. These are old navies. Uh, so he is celebrating his last day as a peddler because he's going to now become a hypnotist grace is genuinely happy i don't think we've seen grace this happy since before mary whitney got pregnant absolutely i agree and just she has just such pure unadulterated joy it's beautiful in seeing jeremiah 
Oh, I just want to say, if you're intrigued at all about this idea of, like, Jeremiah having this vagabond life where he, like, runs around doing, like, spiritualist kind of things, uh, a book I would like to recommend to you. I was trying to think of it way back in episode one when I was mentioning how much I like the spiritualism movement. It's called All Other Nights by Dara Horn. And it's a book about uh, a Jewish soldier in the American Civil War who falls in with a bunch of sisters who are, like, traveling spiritualists. It's a super great book. Molly. Yeah. You just named like 15 of my favorite things. And I think you only named five. Good thing you got a B-Day coming up, Uh, girl, baby. Oh my gosh. That sounds so great. It's so good. It's good romance. It's good uh, spiritualist. It's good civil war. It's good religion. It's Mm -hmm. an excellent book. And I I couldn't recommend it more. So all other nights, it'll be on the reading list. But check it out. So Jeremiah Mm. is like, Grace, um... This place sucks, and you should leave. He says, you know, he's heard in town that Mr. Kinnear has a habit of uh, sleeping with servants. Mm -hmm. And did Grace know that before she came, Nancy was doing all of the rough work that she does every day? And Grace is like, what? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, Grace. Come on. How do you how do you not know anything? Come on. And, And earlier, McDermott did accuse her of not being able to see the nose in front of her face. Yeah. I was like, yes, McDermott. So he wants her to run away with him as a medical clairvoyant and they'll change her name to a French name. And he knows, like, he already knew that, like, she kind of, like, had a knack for it from her palm mm-hmm. way back when. You know, she asks all these questions about, you know, how did they get to America? And it's just, it's a really lovely little scene. And then she's like, oh, but we would get married, right? And he's like, whoa. Nobody said anything about getting married. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe in marriage, mm. and he thinks, you know, if two people want to keep together, they'll keep together, and mm-hmm. Grace is like, okay, no, then, like, yeah. that's fine for you. It's so funny that a man can understand why it makes Nancy's reputation look bad to have been pregnant, and then to now be here and sleeping with the boss, but he can't fathom why it would be dangerous for Grace to just take up with him, who's even more of a nobody. He doesn't even have a house. Anything. Like, at least Kinnear has a house. Yeah, he has two boxes and his beautiful face, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, that's great, but, you know, it's not a sure thing. Absolutely. And But he keeps telling her, you know, that she is surrounded by dangers, <laughs> and it's very scary. It is scary. There's a part, I'm not certain in what context it is or if grace says it or if jeremiah says it but it's the quote about if somebody wants to believe something it's true isn't it a charity to just let them think yeah, that because when he wants her to go with him that's what she it is. says isn't it a cheat and a lie yes. and he says it's like the theater well just the idea that isn't it kinder to let someone believe what they think is true mm-hmm. is true which is this whole thing about everybody projecting their wants and mm-hmm. theories onto grace and instead of her contradicting most of them she just kind of lets it happen mm-hmm. <sighs> i mean good ass writing i'm i'm really curious about the last two episodes me too i'm really curious because I think what's amazing about Alias Grace is it's this very, it's a structure that we know well, right? Where, like, who done it? And the question is, will it have a satisfactory end? Yeah. And, like, what is a satisfactory end? Well, there's only six parts, and there's a significant amount of plot to go. Oh, totally. So they, are, they need to get the let out, really. <laughs> Unless we want Alias Grace season two, which we don't. (laughs) I'm like flashing back. Uh, Weren't you the one who said that this book has no plot? 
I didn't say it had no plot. I said it was boring, which, listen, when we do the book recap, you will agree with me because this is, does a great job of speeding things But you know along. what I found out? I found out the audible version is abridged. Yeah, which is why you're like, it's flying by for me. <laughs> so, well, I, I'm very curious to see what you think reading the full text and what I think rereading it. Okay. I had just finished Handmaid's Tale for the second or third time when I began reading this. And it's just very different. Okay. Okay. Well, McDermott comes in Mm -hmm. and he's angry at Grace and he's saying Mr. Kinnear wouldn't want her wasting good beer and cheese on a common peddler. Oh, I love beer and cheese. It's a good, it's a good combo. Mm -hmm. Oh, with a soft pretzel. And Jeremiah's like, okay. He's like, remember when I said about dangers? (laughs) So he gets up and he goes and he's like, well, I'll be back in a few days and you Mm -hmm. can tell me. If you want to like run off right. with me. And she's like, mm, you know, marry me, bro. Like I have very few asks in this situation. <laughs> and the doctor visits a few days later. And mm. it's interesting because at this point, I think we've put together. Mm-hmm. Well, we've put together that Nancy's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Grace maybe hasn't put it together, but right. she talks about anytime she says doctors are like crows. Anytime there's a group of them, you know, a death is in the offing, which again, <laughs> foreshadow. Yep. So that same day, I believe Nancy is ill and and taken to her bed. And so Grace is in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kinnear comes in and he's like, hey, I want some coffee. And she's like, OK, I have to build up the fire. I'll just do that. And then Nancy does come in and she is like, what are you doing? And Grace is like, I'm making coffee for Mr. Kinnear. And she's like, I always make the coffee. And she's like, you weren't here. And then she power vomits. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, she tells her to mop the floor because she's tired of living in a pig pen. <laughs> she takes like three steps and then Ralph's. She reels back and Ralph's. <laughs> and then she goes, clean it up and leaves. She basically dropped the biological mic on the ground. <laughs> and it <laughs> I gotta say, this show is hard for me to watch as someone who's sensitive to throw up. Uh, well, but hopefully there won't be any more throw up. Only grizzly murders. <laughs> okay, that I can handle like a champion. No, I think if I ever did wind up getting pregnant, like I would just do this. Like I would just go places and Ralph and then be like, clean it up and then leave. Just like the mall. <laughs> You can do that. One time a little baby girl <laughs> ran past my store, dropped trout and shat. And then her mom and grandmother just picked her up and ran away, which I thought was rude because they touch her poop all the time. Yeah, just do it. And then, oh man, we like called like the janitorial staff and it was, it was like the Kubler Ross stages of grief watching this guy understand what had happened. Well, if you're pregnant, I hope you just pull like a, you're at the ball and they're like, ma'am, you cannot have another Wetzel pretzel sample. And you go, really? Well, this place is trash. I'm going to Auntie Anne's. <laughs> oh, boy. So Grace is on the floor cleaning it. And she's getting madder and madder. Somebody comes up behind her and she says, don't be messing up my floor with your mucky boots. And like the person just stands there and she thinks it's McDermott clearly. And she turns around and it is Mr. Kinnear that she's been yelling at. And like, her face goes through also all mm-hmm. of the Kubler-Ross stages of grief. She's like, no, no. He thinks it's very amusing. And also it seemed like he was checking out her feet. He popped a boner looking at the bottom of her dirty ass Pirates of the Caribbean feet. <laughs> so, you know, there's not much. Pickens are slim. But yes, you are supposed to get the idea that he's looking at her So he's, with he's maybe got, uh, he's got his eye out. Gross. Well, you know, with Nancy vomiting everywhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's not super cute. Not cute. Speaking of Nancy, let's flash back. So you can, they're trying to build the story that her anger with Nancy is growing every day. And it sort of seems to reach a fever pitch when she hears Nancy talking to Mr. Kinnear and sitting on his lap. Well, and before that even happens, though, so this is where Grace realizes Nancy's pregnant because she comes in and asks what Grace is doing. Again, like She keeps giving her these orders and then being like, why are you doing what I told you? She tells Grace that she needs her to come help her with her dresses because none of hers fit her anymore. <sighs> and this is where Grace has her sixth sense end of memento moment where she's mm. like, oh no, Sammy Jank has stretched out all of her dresses. <laughs> so then... So then she overhears... And she hears the shit talking she expects about McDermott. Fine, fine, fine. But then Nancy says that she's thinking about firing Grace at the end of the month. And then Mr. Kinnear fights back with being like, I could pretty woman her in a second. And (laughs) she'd be good to go. Nancy gets mad and then sex chasing starts. Well, because she's like, you've never spoken so highly of me. And he's like, oh, all of my thoughts about you are filthy. And it is not. Ugh. Which uh, perked my kettle a little bit. I'm not going to lie I to you. I actually, I found this upsetting. Like, yeah. I didn't like it at all. That's fair. We're different people. Yeah, we are different people. Grace now has planted in her head as well the idea that she might be fired. Ugh. And, you know, McDermott was saying before that Nancy was going to start treating her the way that yeah. she's treating him. And she says that there's something about Grace that unsettles her. Oof. And uh, I do love Paul Gross's line reading on, I never liked him about <laughs> McDermott. Pretty good. Nobody did. Pretty good. So there's been, it's like thunderstorms. It's summertime thunderstorms. Scary. And Grace is clearly afraid of the thunder. But she hears a whisper in her room. I don't like it. And I think, isn't it, it can't be. Yeah. I'm done. I won't do it again. I know. I appreciate that you did it though. Yeah. So what do you think? (laughs) I think I'm very scared. I need to listen to like about an hour of either the LeVar Burton podcast or Garrison Keillor to like key myself down. Um, but I think that is sort of potentially being like, you can't stay here. You got to move. Who do you think the voice was? I don't know. Perhaps like Mary Whitney in like a very like guardian angel, like GTFO sign it kind of way. I think that it is Mary Whitney. Either it is her actual ghost because we have heard her before. Again, we don't know. We don't know what's real, but either Mary Whitney's actual ghost or whatever the sort of psychological Mm -hmm. coping mechanism Grace Mm -hmm. has around Mary Whitney. Yeah. Because this comes on the heels of her being very upset about Nancy being pregnant and wondering if Mr. Kinnear will marry her and the unfairness that Mary should get the opportunity to be a respectable married woman. That's a great reading of that. So I think once she's put all those pieces together, whether it is Mary herself Uh and Mary agrees with Grace Ah, or it's Grace's own, because we know Grace is not good at putting things together like overtly. Interesting. So that's so smart. You know, like she may not be able to figure it out, but this internal thing that does her critical thinking for her <laughs> and is the ghost of Mary Whitney has done it for her. I love it. That's so oh, that's such an interesting reading, Kelly. Good job. Thank you. And then she has a creepy dream. Be scary. Oh. So she walks out into the yard and is just greeted by a parade of people giving her a creepy boyfriend on the cover of a Christian romance novel hug. <laughs> 
<laughs> like just right behind holding respectably beneath the boobs, not over. Well, it's some of them get pee gross in there. Yeah. And pee gross is the one that really touches her boobs. Uh, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it it's McDermott. Then it's Mr. George Parkinson. Mm-hmm. Then it is Mr. Kinnear. Mm-hmm. Then it's her dad. Which that was a ballsy thing to like just assume we would remember what her dad was like i couldn't figure it out the first time that i watched i was it. like vigo mortensen what's vigo mortensen no well i thought it was paul gross again but with dark hair <laughs> or aragon yeah i was like why and then but i watched it initially on my okay. laptop and then today i had it on my big screen i was like oh okay that's her dad i okay. guess yeah not aragon of marathon no okay listen you're gonna keep trying to make these lord of the rings references and i'm again them all right okay fine by me i only read lord of the rings because i knew that my future spouse would not respect me if i watched the movies <laughs> without reading the books uh, the books are a snooze and a half they are terrible anyhow this is a very scary nightmare to be passed around by all these men in her life who have done her dirty you notice that like no man that she actually has like a crush on is there there's no jamie there's no uh jeremiah no there's no really nice people oh that's another good point is that when we met jamie we get another candidate perhaps for who her mm-hmm. j Applecore yeah refers to oh we still have to do that i don't want to we're gonna do I it i don't want to we're gonna now do I'm it really scared <laughs> the other thing that happens in her dream she goes back to the house and then turns around i think this is the scariest image it's so scary by far three headless like angels with bloody gaping head it. wounds <laughs> scared Oh, it's going to be okay, Maul. We're almost done. Okay. So they're sitting in the tree and she says that they're sitting in judgment of the house and the people who live there. And she couldn't help but feel a sense of doom and that there were people who were fated to die in that house. I don't like it. I don't want it. And then the next day she wakes up. She swings her feet out of bed. They're all dirty people. (laughs) This was not just a dream. She's legit sleepwalking. Oh my God. And she goes outside and the laundry that she did has blown from the line into the trees. So at least to some degree, the angels that she saw were this laundry. And she says something I think is interesting that it's not like her to forget laundry that she's done. So it's like, what else is going on with you? There are these big gaps. Yeah. Oh, it's so scary. We're, we're on a, we're on a chariot to scary town. <laughs> All aboard the scary town express. <laughs> <Choo-choo>. <laughs> More like, woo. That's right. The scary town express only makes scary noises. God damn it. <laughs> so that's the end of episode four. Wow. How would you, how would you rank the episodes at this point? Like I said, I think this is probably my favorite, even though it's scary. Oh, Mm, I guess I like the one where she's having happy times with Mary Whitney. Which is also the one where Mary Whitney dies. I know. But like, they're so different. Like, I think I would put them tied. Yeah. Because that one is like a Lifetime original movie. I agree. And this is like a genuine horror movie. I agree. And then I'd say probably the third episode, because there's some happy times in there. And then the first episode. How are you liking this as a series so far? I really like it. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I, you know, I don't know that it's going to be like my fave in the same way that The Handmaid's Tale was. And I'm saying that not because there could only be one, just because that's the only other series that we've covered on this podcast. Absolutely. But 
I think it's good. It's definitely very Canadian. Yeah. In what way? The music is very Canadian. Like, it sounds like Anne of Green Gables at times. Hmm. And there's just a gentleness to it that is Canadian. Kind of. I don't know how else to explain this. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I think the acting is not like prestige level acting. Yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah. But I, I can do. And I'm always glad to see people that I like getting works. Like I'm glad yeah. Anna Paquin's in this. I'm really yeah. glad that Paul Gross and Martha Burns are in yeah. this. Glad I think Zachary Levi's yeah. in it. So I think it's, it's fine. Yeah. I, I, that would be my assessment too. Let me, let me put it this way. This is something that I am going to really enjoy and then like put down, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm probably not going to come back to it. Yeah, me neither. If I do, maybe, you know, it can be contemplative, but... Yeah, and I don't think it's going to rock the world the way Handmaid's Tale did. I don't think it is either, and I think just based on the lack of social media anything about (laughs) it, like... Well, it makes me a little worried because I wonder if that means that they would not try to do another big Atwoodian tv thing which i know they're talking about doing uh orcs and crake well that was in development and then shelved so that's so. not currently like i don't think that'll ever happen bummer yeah, yeah so it makes me it a little Darren worried aronofsky which i mean granted oh. mother was a complete shit show but like <laughs> well the problem with Darren aronofsky is you can't give him money <laughs> if you give him money he's gonna do something dumb it's like a homeless person you're it like, is. he's gonna buy drugs and he's he like is. he's gonna make movies that make you feel like you're on drugs yeah <laughs> well and sometimes he does that in a way that's really interesting like i think mm-hmm. the fountain is great and, and you love a black swan oh i love black swan so much anyway any hoozle. so yeah i'm really really stoked about yeah. episode five me too i'm just i'm wondering if that's when we get to see any like the actual murders like i don't know we're gonna i'm gonna place a bet that we see the murder happen episode five and then episode six is all present day no flashbacks all right so i uh, think that leaves us nothing but no no lite teba stardes carborundorum dum 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 kelly dum 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 it's my birthday week dum 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 she's a scorpio dum 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 let's go to chili's chili's